Hi, everybody. I'm Phil Town, and welcome to the Invested Podcast. And I'm Danielle Town. Hi, everybody. And actually, we're broadcasting from where we don't usually broadcast from. Uh, Danielle's out in Zurich, and I'm in uh, the villages in Florida, down here to uh, with my polo team to play a polo tournament. And we are chatting over Skype, and we're recording over Skype, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, we prefer to be together, but in times of need, <laughs> we will do it over Skype, which is what makes this pretty amazing. Hey, we're going to talk about alternate ways of investing. Um, we ended up the last podcast with um, a promise to look at what other people are doing if they if they just are terrified of investing in the stock market or they hate the idea of investing in the stock market. What are the alternatives and and uh, and how do you protect yourself with these alternatives against inflation. I think that's yeah. what we were headed for, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were talking about how the, well, you said that the stock market is the best place to invest in order to beat inflation because companies move with inflation. Like the companies you're buying in the market move with inflation, whereas apparently other investments don't as much or at all maybe. Well, um, I think it's really important that we talk about inflation a little bit more because it, that's the key, right? If, if, well, yeah, apparently. It's like the key to everything for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you didn't have to worry about inflation, you know, you could uh, you know, throw your money in, uh, in anything pretty much that would pay any interest rate and you would, your money would be buying you, uh, your money would be growing, or you know yeah so for for anybody who didn't listen to the last two podcasts i uh was informed that that inflation actually makes your savings steadily disappear because the purchasing power of those savings goes down right is that that's, that's exactly right, right. right the purchasing power and so goes down. obviously i knew inflation existed obviously it's something you think about I frankly never thought about it but yes like I knew that it existed and it just didn't I didn't make that connection because I don't think about it um between you know the price of a Hershey's bar going up and my savings having less purchasing power I just didn't make that connection so to me as a kid who grew up through two massive recessions and graduated from college during a recession and went to law school during a recession and all of my friends went through that, the stock market seems really scary. So I said, well, I'm just going to be safe and metaphorically put my money under the mattress and save it because that seems like the most logical choice. And um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to say it's, it was, I suppose, a little bit also of an emotional, fear-based choice. But I thought it was perfectly reasonable because I hadn't really thought about this inflation thing. And you pointed out to me that it's a very bad decision to put your money under your mattress and not do anything. It is. And, and the government has, uh, has made it even worse because the, the typical put-it-under-your-mattress place to put it would be in some sort of a, you know, some sort of a long... U.S. Treasury bond, or, or I guess even really literally in cash. Well, literally um, what I have is a savings account. Yeah, that's literally just earning you nothing. Um, in fact, yeah. there are some places now where savings <laughs> accounts actually cost you money every year. They, they You pay the bank to have your money. Yeah, I think I, w- I could get little statements like, you made 15 cents this month. And yeah, be like, exactly. Whoa. Exactly. And then I would decide not to think about it because that was too freaky. 
Well, it, there are certain policies going on with the government right now that are, are trying to fight, um, actually, deflation, which is uh, we, what we talked about last time, the, the deflation mm. of commodity prices. But that won't last long. I mean, the government effort to fight deflation always involves printing money in some form or another, making money uh, a lot more available to get it a lot more out there. Um, and the result from that is inevitable inflation and so we will we will eventually have inflation just a question of how how excessive it's going to be and if but if we use just a normal inflation rate of 3.5% 3.6% per year which is historical since 1948 um what that does is it it doubles the cost of everything you're buying in the next 20 some years it's like um about every every 20 years it doubles and and so that means if you are buying a steak for $10 now in 20 years, that steak will cost you 20, and in in 20 years after that, it'll cost you 40. So we, you can think if if I'm 30 years right now, 30 years old right now, and I'm paying 10 dollars for a steak, when I'm 70 years old, I'll be paying 40 dollars for the steak. If inflation just stays normal, 40 dollars yeah. for the steak. So if you're thinking, well, and I, you've got the money that you put in today yeah. sitting there waiting for you 20 years from now. Yeah, and you're so you're putting the money into a savings account. Let's just say magically that that uh, savings accounts just paid the rate of inflation. Um, you, they don't right now, actually. They're paying far less than the rate of inflation. So you're losing money every year. You leave your money in a savings account, but let's say they paid inflation rate. That means that your money would buy uh, in in when you're 70 years old what it's buying today, essentially. But you would have not increased any amount of money. In other words, you'd just be able, you'd have to live off whatever you saved. That would be it. There would be no saving on your saving. No compounding yeah. going on whatsoever. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, most people cannot save enough to live comfortably, you know, in 30 years of retirement. There's, it's an enormous, imagine essentially if you're paying about the same in retirement that you're paying when you're, when you're, when you're going from your 30s to your 60s. You would have to save up half of the money that you you. It's an almost impossible number to save, because it's essentially saying, okay, now I'm going to quit working, and I'm going to keep living exactly the same way. If my money doesn't make any money this entire thirty years that I'm I'm working, uh, uh, how long will it last? Yeah, I mean, I uh, all good points. It's <laughs> it's. Frustrating, but yes. So well, all this good is points. this is where the stock market kicks in for most investors is that they recognize that companies like let's say Seize Candy, which is owned by Warren Buffett, um, Buffett gets together every year with the guys at Seize Candy, and they just decide in December that what they're going to raise the prices on are for Seize Candy. They raise the prices on average about four percent a year. In other words, they keep up with inflation and then a little bit, mm-hmm. and that allows them to have an investment that never loses money against inflation. It always is. So it always automatically is moving with inflation. And a little bit more. And a little bit more. Right. So That's it's, a great investment. Yeah. So, for example, Warren Buffett well, paid 25. assuming the company is solid. Yeah. Assuming it's a solid company. Buffett paid $25 million for C's Candy. And every year now, this has been like 20, 30 years, every year now, he takes in $65 million or more. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what we want from our investments. I think you've said that before, and it cracks me up every single time because it's just so ridiculous. 
Well, and and that's very hard to get done in a bank account. You you can't get to that level of growth no. in a bank account. So people yeah. put their money in the stock market. But the problem is that when you're 30 years old and you've gone through two or three recessions and you're nervous about losing money in the stock market, it's very difficult to look out farther. People have made very little money the whole time you've been, um, you know, a teenager and an adult. People have made almost no money in the stock market at all. Yeah, right? You go exactly. back to, to the year 2000 and say, okay, well, here we were at the market at, at roughly 12,000 then and now it's at 16,000. You know, that's, uh, that's, um, that's a 1% rate of return or something per year over 15 years. It's almost nothing. Um, so you got to look at that and just go, wow, there's got to be a better way to get to some money by the time I'm 65 or I'm going to be in trouble. Right. It's like you're balancing the difference between a potential upside but a potential downside in the market versus a really bad outcome with your savings account, but at least you know what it's going to be. Well, so let's let's take a look at what some people do. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can do to invest. Um, I would say that there's really probably four major categories you could put money in. Five, five. Maybe, let's let's go with five. You can put money in stocks. Of non non stock. Oh, including well, we'll go, stock. We'll go, we'll go. Th- we'll go with four that are not stocks. Okay. Okay. So we got bonds, which are essentially lending money to someone uh, as if you're a banker and they pay you an interest rate, which is called your yield. Um, So you can invest in bonds. Um, There's lots of different kinds of bonds. There's lots of different kinds of people you can lend money to. So the major ones being the United States government, um, the cities around the country have bonds and companies have bonds. So they have different levels of risk. The United States government bonds being the safest but there's, those produce a, a compounded growth rate based on the interest rate that you agree to when you lend the money. Um, unfortunately, right now, long bonds like uh, the 30-year T-bill are only producing a 3% interest rate. So they're, they're not, if you put your money in a, in, away for 30 years at 3%, you know going in that you're not receiving even the average uh, rate of inflation, which is 3.6. So... If okay. inflation sustains itself over time, your 30-year bond is going to ultimately pay out less money than inflation does, and you will end up buying that, that uh, $40 stake 30 years from now, um, and you'll be, paying, uh, you'll be paying significant amount more than you are paying today. So, so bond- let's come back to bonds. Can you list out the other Yeah, let me list them out real quick. And then let's talk about them. Um, the other major one would be alternate currency, the, the most prominent one being gold. But gold, silver, we would even probably start to include Bitcoin in that category. Um, essentially something that holds its value that the government can't strip of value by just printing paper. So that would be, let's call that the gold category. Then, and you would you would separate those from other commodities because those yeah, are traded on the commodities market, right? They are, but they are different than other commodities. People people buy commodities to use them ultimately. People buy gold um, and Bitcoin as a currency, as a hedge okay. against currency. Um, okay, then so you mentioned the third category, which is commodities. Um, those are hard goods that people actually consume or are consumed by business. And in the commodities basket would be things like we talked about last time, copper, 
iron ore, um, zinc. You have commodities uh, that, you know, like food, agriculture, all of those things that um, are things we consume are commodities. Um, and there are commodities funds that you can put money into. And then the fourth major category is probably the most common alternate investment for amateur investors, and that is real estate. Mm. Um, and you can buy real estate in the stock market, doing uh, investing in what are called real estate investment trusts, which are really often quite uh, a good investment and are often a bad investment. It just depends on the price of of the stock versus the price of the real estate that they own. So those are our four major ones. We have bonds. Um, we have gold as a commodity, as a uh, as a currency hedge. Then we have commodities, all the hard goods, and then we have real estate. And um, and one of the the first places people go when they they're thinking about trying to reduce risk is to uh, buy an annuity. A lot, a yeah, lot I was just about to ask you about that because you mentioned annuities last time and then you said, I'll explain that what that is later. So what's an annuity? Well, an annuity is a, is a kind of, um, it's an interesting sort of a bond. I guess I'd throw it in the bond category, although it's not actually. Um, an annuity is an insurance product. It's handled by insurance companies. And essentially what you do with an annuity is pay into a, an insurance policy over time. Or you can just pay a lump sum um, immediately. And at a set point in time, the insurance company locks in your, um, your position and begins to pay you out a, a, a specific sum of money every year for the rest of your life. So wow. it's a life product. Um, the insurance company is taking the risk when it, uh, when it structures its annuities they're taking the risk that you're going to live a lot longer than most people do. And you're taking the risk that you're going to die early, in which case uh, you wouldn't have even used up the principal. So, so the annuity is not a transferable product, uh, like in a will? It's not transferable through an estate? Well, through the magic of, uh, of insurance policies, you can make an annuity transferable um, if you want to, but you'll pay for it. So let's oh, just okay. let's just say. So that they're for a, our purposes, in a simple no. version. They're betting that you're just going to die. Yeah, and and if you want to <laughs> you want to you want to say, well, I'm going to hedge my bet and have the annuity pass to my spouse. You're going to pay for that. Got it. And uh, and if it goes past that to the heirs, you're going to really pay for that. Okay. Because the insurance is company that... needs to do a hedge, right? Their their hedge is that they just do a statistical analysis, and you're going to you know, let's say men on average die at age eighty. Um, if you if you're a guy and you live to be 95, your annuity is going to be a, a probably a pretty good deal. If you're a guy, let's say you're starting here at 65, if you're a guy and you die at 70, then your annuity wasn't a very good deal. Yeah. So, yeah. is that a fifth category, or does that fall into one of these four that I, you just well, mentioned? Well, since you, you, it's it's not an investment per se, it's a way of using investment capital that you already have. So I, I, I guess I'm, it's a kind of a bond, right? It's going to pay out a certain amount of money. The main difference is that a bond will give you your principal back at some point in time, whereas the annuity, it's gone forever. Of course, oh. you, you can buy your way out of an annuity. I mean, there, there is a way to, to pay off the penalties and get your money back. But it, it's essentially a, an insurance contract. 
And, um, and when you buy one, what you've done is you've essentially created for yourself a defined benefit plan. In other words, you've created your own retirement plan with an annuity. And that's what a lot of good financial advisors use annuities for is to replace defined benefit plans that don't exist anymore. So mm -hmm. they will start uh, somebody into an annuity early on, like you might put money into an annuity now for the next, let's say, 30 years, conceivably. You could be paying into this insurance product. And there's various kinds of insurance products that um, are, you know, pretty effective at doing something like an annuity and including Index Universal Life has a kind of an annuity quality to it. Um, but in general... <clears throat> what you're going to do if you're 30 years old is you're paying into this over a long period of time. And you, you just keep paying in, paying in, paying in. And at some point in time, you can decide to go to the insurance company and say, okay, I now want to annuitize this pile of money I've been paying into this thing. Okay. And at that point in time, let's say when you're 65, they say, Great. oh, you mean you just pay in and you're not getting anything back? You're just right. pay, like a, it's so it's again a savings account, basically. Sort of a yeah, it's sort of a savings account. For example, you could there's a lot of different ways to do it. I mean, you could say I'm going to pay in for the next ten years, and then I will have uh, this estimated chunk of money that the insurance company guarantees me will grow at a certain rate. Right? They're going to invest it, and they're going to pay me a certain rate of return, like a like a savings account, not a very high rate. Um, particularly these days, really rough time to be buying an annuity right now because the interest rates are so low and the rate of return is deeply based on interest rates. So this is a really bumpy time to be buying one of those things. But if you were to do it, you would pay in for 10 years and then you would have a set amount of money. And that in that 11th year, you would then start drawing out a set amount of money for the rest of your life. So effectively, you've created mm. your retirement account. Almost like a social security account of your it's own. It's very interesting. I admit I'm a little bit attracted to this option, considering my risk aversion. It is a very attractive option because it's pretty simple. It's just straight up. It's super simple, yeah. And it says it's, it's guaranteed by the quality of the insurance company. So the first thing I would say, and trust me here, I'm definitely not your financial advisor, and, and I, I don't want to even have you begin to think that I'm giving you financial advice, so don't take it that way. Uh, but I think a good financial advisor would tell you that you should uh, ignore those annuities which offer pretty high rates of return. You know, somebody that's going to offer you 6 or 7% a year in this kind of a market, uh, they might be trying to compete um, against companies that are better companies than, their, than theirs. And, and mm. the, the value of the annuity to you as a retiree is only as good as the quality of that company that's paying you off. If they go broke, that's you it. You get nothing. Came yeah. Over, right? Yeah. So stick and with I'm really sure high And I'm sure that there companies. are so many different kinds of annuity products and oh my different companies and I can't even imagine. So yeah, don't well, listen to us. Let <laughs> me inoculate against uh, 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 let me inoculate you against some of the some of the other things in if it if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. There's probably some kind of a catch. So, for example, if I'm talking to you about making 15% a year in the stock market and it sounds too good to be true, there's probably a catch. And the catch is, yes, you do have to learn how to do investing. You, have, <laughs> you really have to dig in and you really have to know you're buying into companies that you're capable of understanding and all the things we talk about on this blog. 
if you're going after an annuity... This podcast. This is a podcast. Sorry, our podcast. I get those mixed up. So <laughs> if you're looking at an annuity, um, there's a couple of kinds of annuities that are, are a little bit too good to be true. The, the first one is a variable annuity. Um, there's an organization that all uh, financial advisors are part of. Um, it's a private organization that manages and, and, and provides a kind of a, uh, a regulatory authority over financial advisors called FINRA, F-I-N-R-A. And if you go to FINRA.org, I think, or just Google FINRA variable annuity, um, they have a really good uh, view of variable annuities. And they, they really warn you that there's a lot of, of, uh, of, well, let me just put it like this. There's an incentive for your financial advisor to sell you a variable annuity or to sell you an indexed annuity or to just sell you any sort of an annuity because they're an insurance product and they pay a gigantic commission. Oh, really? Yeah, they pay a whopper. Something like 8% of wow. the money you put in there goes right into the pocket of your of your. So do you have advisor. to buy it through a financial advisor? Can you, you buy to, it well, on you your actually, own? Well, you actually have to buy, through, buy it through a licensed insurance agent. Um, but most financial advisors who are doing annuities have their insurance agent license. And so they'll, they'll, their sign outside will, will say financial advisor and insurance, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm. So it's an insurance agent product. So and it's literally an insurance product. Yeah, it's literally an insurance product, like a life insurance product or something like that. And they get paid a big chunk of the fees coming in the door right up front. And so there has to be a catch. And the catch is if you decided you didn't like it a few months later, there's a huge penalty because the insurance company can't claw back those that commission that it paid. So mm. you're going to pay the commission directly is essentially what happens. And you're going to get back about 90% of your money or 94, 92% of your money or something. So you really want to make sure you, you want what they're given before you do that um, because that commission comes right off the top. Um, and, you know, these guys are supposed to dis disclose that. And sometimes they're not, they, you know, it's in the small, small print that you sign. So um, annuities have uh, this wonderful quality of, you know, providing you with a guaranteed income for the future. And uh, the power of a variable annuity that makes it look better than it really is, is that um, the money gets invested in the stock market. And you kind of help, you, you can help choose which mutual funds it goes into and so on. And so you can get the benefit of the stock market going up like a rocket um, with some baseline guaranteed return. But mm. the baseline guaranteed return is literally just the return of your money. That's, that's what they're going to give you back over the next 20 years or however long you live. So let's, that takes us to the real interesting aspect of annuities. And that is that let's say that our, our, our client that has a million dollars and wants to be sure she's going to have money for 20 years let's say we put her into an annuity, just a regular fixed annuity, not connected with the stock market or anything else. It's just going to pay out over that period of time. Well, it's going to pay out maybe, I don't know, 3000 bucks a month or $2,500 a month, something like that for the rest of her life. But you got to think about it for a second. That's a million dollars. And if they're paying out $3,000 a month, that's just $36,000 a year out of the million dollars that they they got. So they can go a lot of years paying out $36,000 a year out of your million dollars. You see what I'm saying? 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of years, right? I mean, let's say they're paying out, let, let's pick a round number. Let's say they're paying out $50,000 a year. That's 20 years right there. So if you put, if you put a million dollars into the hands of an annuity and an insurance company and they guaranteed you for the rest of your life that they would pay you $50,000 a year, you would sit back and you would say, wow, that's fantastic. I've got this $4,000 a month income coming in for the rest of my life. That is awesome. Doesn't matter how long I live, 120 years old, they're still going to pay me. Well, for the first 20 years, they're just paying you your money back. Mm -hmm. So it really is just a bet on your own life. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could do that for yourself pretty easy. (laughs) You could put your money in your savings account and draw $4,000 a month for the rest of the next 20 years. You'd have Well, for the next 20 years, but then after that, it's like, how much drinking and smoking am I doing? You know? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Do I go to jazzercise in the mornings? Maybe today I will because I need to live past 20 years. Maybe this is a, the incentive we all need to actually take care of ourselves. Well, I'm hoping that we now we now can bring in this this quality of inflation, because okay, now you've got this deal where you're going to get four thousand dollars a month or fifty thousand dollars a year, and you're thinking, okay, I got this covered. I've I've rebuilt the old retirement account uh, plan right from my company. They're going to pay me this amount per year. And, um, and that's going to be great. Except we forgot that over the next 20 years, that steak, which costs $10 today, is going to cost $20 20 mm-hmm. years from now. So it's going to start running up every year over the next 20 years. And okay, so fine, you don't care if it costs $20 in year 20 because you're going to die. <laughs> but you might, care, you might care in year 15, say, or year 10 that it's now costing, you know, $15 instead of 10. And so everything in your life, the key things that you have to worry about in retirement, which would include um, the cost of your heat and your air conditioning, the taxes on your home or the rent, the rent raises that you're going to be involved with. Oh, very good point. All Not of just those food. Things. No. It's not just food and gas, which is what I think of, but no. yeah. Taxes, Every, right? And on. how about how about health care? If you need health care sure. above and beyond what the what the government is going to pay, you know, what's that going to do? Um, <laughs> I mean, everything everything seems to go up over time. And if we're looking at it at a three point six percent inflation rate, that means it's going to double in twenty years. Uh, or is, is it about twenty years? Yeah, about twenty years of double. And um, my gosh, man, that's just that, that just eats you up. So you start going to the store with your $4,000 you've got every month. You're going to the store, you're going to the gas station, you're trying to go on trips, you're going on a cruise, you're playing golf, you're doing all these things. And those costs keep rising and rising. The first year or two, you don't really notice it. But by the fourth or fifth year, it's costing you more than that $4,000 a month to be okay. Yeah, I can see really noticing after, after about five years. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, all of a sudden it's not so easy to get out to see the grandkids. All of a sudden it's not, it's easy, but you start to realize that this money that you've got sitting in your savings account that you're drawing down at, at, at $4,000 a month is not going to last you to when you're 95 years old. You're not going to get there. You start to go, wow, this is, I'm up to 
Now I'm up to $5,000 a month, and I do the math, and I see with this rate of return I'm getting in my savings account, this is, this is going to eat me up. I'm not going to have enough money to live on for the rest of my life. And then if there's anything big that comes along, any big problem, like your car breaks down, um, you got to go in for an operation that isn't covered somehow, or you know, one of the kids in the family needs money, and you know, grandma's sitting there with a million dollars, and they really need it. I mean, those yeah. things happen. Absolutely. And, and all of a sudden you're looking at, damn, I'm going to run out. And so what, what you do when you annuitize is you take the risk that the return that the insurance company is going to pay you does not keep up with inflation. So an annuity is a, I really like annuities. They have a place in, um, in a good uh, structured, what I would call an all weather account. But since they're very much like a defined benefit plan, they're very much like Social Security, they are kind of a fixed payout. They're best when we have deflation. Hmm. So annuities that are, uh, the perfect setup for an annuity would be that we have, let's say it's 1980 and inflation is rolling along at some monster rate, right? And 30-year T-bills are running 15% per year. That's, that's the time to slap an annuity on. If you can put it on then um, and have somebody guarantee you they're going to pay out some enormous rate of return based on you know, current 30-year T-bill rates, man, that'd be a great time for an annuity. And then if you have the ideal situation, you go immediately into deflation. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have the value of the dollar that you're, you're sort of getting a fixed number of dollars every year. And instead of the stake costing $20 in 20 years, the stake is at $9 in 20 years, or it's at $8 or, you know, something like that, because deflation is reducing the amount of money that uh, things cost, those commodity items. I mean, that's not that's not going to happen, though, right? Because we, I think right now, are in a sort of natural state of deflation that the government is doing everything it can in order to reverse and put us into inflation, right? Right. So... So if we're in sort of the perfect storm of deflation and it's not happening right now, I think we're just sort of going along at steady, steady pace of zero inflation, roughly. Um, you know, why would it happen at any other point? Well, that's a really, really, really accurate, I think. It's not really going to happen at any other point. I think it's quite likely that other things happen. Um, and the most, most probable one being that the government makes a mistake about how good the economy is going right now, and they start to increase interest rates a little bit, right? To, that would be an indication that the economy is burning along, and you know, we're going to slow down inflation. The way we slow down inflation is we raise interest rates. Um, that causes businesses to slow down a little bit. The stock market stumbles a little bit. Everything, you know, not so many people are borrowing money, and they're desperately trying to do exactly that right now. And if they did that, it would send a signal out that, oh, wow, we've got inflation and we've got to slow down the economy. It's too hot. The problem is, of course, the economy is not too hot. So if they did that right now, which they keep saying they're going to do, it could send things into a tailspin, spin off more deflation as China slows down. It's not buying so much stuff right? Uh, as labor costs lower, as the world economy goes, uh, you know, we send things to, to sure. Mexico to build. So you end up with this deflation starting Wait, again. They will are print you saying money that like the U.S. Fiends. government doesn't control the world economy? 
I just I don't I'm like blown away by this information. <laughs> yeah, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they would like to, but it doesn't work like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. You know, money is like a river. It just sort of flows and and it's very hard for governments to stop it up. So our government is trying desperately to pretend that this uh, six years of quantitative easing and lower interest rates, you know, are, are have worked to uh, to pull us away from a recession. And the problem is we just can't seem to get the engine going. It's just sputtering along. So if they do raise interest rates, we might just sputter into a really full-blown recession, which mm. would be deflationary. And then they will absolutely come back in and print money like maniacs in order to stop that from happening. So is it accurate to say that in certain economic climates, an annuity is a worthwhile investment for a portion of your portfolio? Exactly. I think there's a real place for it. Um, it provides deflationary protection. Um, it doesn't provide protection against inflation. It gets damaged by inflation. But we can do other things in an all-weather portfolio. Um, all-weather meaning, you know, it's going to do well no matter what's going on out there. Um, that would be uh, doing very well in an inflationary environment. We'll talk about those more next time. But I think cool. for right now, that's kind okay. of how annuities work. Yeah. So next time, let's go into the other four that you mentioned um, of alternates to stock market investing, which are bonds, alternate currency, gold and silver, commodities, and my personal favorite, real estate. Yeah. Let's let's jump into real estate. I think that one is a big deal for a lot of people. people it is because it's the easiest it. to understand it. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, let's talk about that one. Okay. Well, until then, I think it's time to go play. And you guys, if you... Uh, if you want to come learn more about this stuff, get over to our website. Go to invested.pod... No, is, tell no. me what it is. Invest, investedpodcast.com. <laughs> yeah, that one. Go there. Go to our website. <laughs> there's like there's videos. There's blog posts. There's much more information about Rule 1 Investing. Um, so if you feel like learning more or, uh, or just want to delve more deeply into these things, I think that's a good spot to go to. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, we 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 will look forward to, to uh, exchanging ideas back and forth with you guys. There's some good place to put commentary, and we'll try to keep up with it. Danielle does all that for us, by the way. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> don't so, you guys know? I don't think anyone wants to listen to me about anything. That's the entire point of this podcast, Dad. Oh, that's not what I. That's hear. not true. That's that not true. They not want to listen to me about lots of non-investing topics. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, until then, uh, I think it's probably time to go play. What do you say? All right, let's go play and let's wish dad good luck in his polo game hey, later you. today. See you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One podcast. If you like this episode, you can always get our show notes and more details and links to the resources we discussed at investedpodcast.com. Also, as long as you're online, head on over to investedpodcast.com slash workshop for details on an upcoming three-day live workshop that I'm hosting. All you gotta do to go is enter the special podcast code STOCKPILE, that's S-T-O-C-K-P-I-L-E, STOCKPILE, into the application form, and you guys can attend for free. So everything discussed on this show is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion, and it is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary? This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really do hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.